Blog Talk Radio. Hour time, it's dinner time, it's uh, rush hour time. So, 
um, just sort of settling in. Um, so let's have at it. So let's talk uh, t- talk a little bit. Um, last time we talked, um, you talked about how you came to using the written word, um, using poetry. Um, and so we got a chance to hear a little bit from you, uh, but you have much, much more. So, folks, um, please make sure you stay tuned until the very end because I will be, and it won't come at the end, it will come during the middle. Um, we're going to have a recording um, of a piece called Wait a Minute, um, and it's set to music. Um, we're also going to um, hear a piece um, called Going to Iraq, um, by um, Ronald Mason tonight. Uh, but you can also hear some stuff from me. Um, so here we are. Um, so I guess one way of just kind of starting off is um, what do you think is really, what do you think is common and what do you think is different about your approach and, and my approach? Have you had a chance to take a look at where um, where I tend to start and end? You know, I, um, you, you posted it, but I couldn't get into the post, so I haven't had a chance. I'm wait. I'm, I'm anxious for you to either recite okay. a piece or or tell me about your work. And I'm, uh, in and fact, I'm ready maybe to you that. could do one of those now, and that that would give me a little to um to to you know to uh, delve into. Is that possible? Right on. Uh, oh, okay. oh, it's more than possible. Um, so here's something. Um, let's do unpredictable. Um, I wrote that one in July of last year. Beyond expectation, like thunder after lightning, like carpets of fire following lava, logic of energy, release. Love manifests so untrackable, so unpredictable, so unstoppable, so unending, like storms like eruption. Very nice. And yeah. so um, first I would say it's pretty clear that um, you are an artist and that, uh, you know, as an English professor, you have a way with words. Um, um, and I'm guessing that that uh, came out of a moment of personal experience that inspired you to um, you know, to express more your feelings than your thoughts from what I got out of the, uh, the piece there. Um, my stuff has tended to be more uh, practically motivated, you know, to uh, connect it to a class or to a lecture or to teaching or to, um, you know, make a point about something that I'm working on. So uh-huh. in that sense, I'd say... Um, at least based on on that piece and and what I know about my own work, you're you're much more of an artist than I am. I'm more of a uh, a word workman uh, that um, can put words together, but it doesn't sound like they'll ever come out as nice as yours. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not just being. I'm, I'm not just being. Yes, yeah, yeah, you, 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 But when I looked at the the, the going to the Iraq piece, I mean. The, the thing, the the thing to, to keep in mind is that when when we talk about poetry, 
what I tend to do, or at least in my process, um, the basic elements um, to keep this planet going um, have a way of sort of creeping into um, human experience. And so what is poetry supposed to do? Poetry is supposed to somehow reflect on human experience. It's supposed to somehow say something about, well, what's it like being a human being? What's it like experiencing? And so when I talk about, for instance, talking about love manifests so untractable, um, untrackable, so unpredictable, there is no particular definition or no particular limit as to what that even what that word means. To me, love is being able to cook for your family. Love means um, sacrificing for your people. Um, love means um, doing doing the ultimate um, for your children. Um, it can mean so many different things, and it is unpredictable, and it is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about um, the fact that we are at the anniversary of the Orlando um, shootings, and how did people respond? They responded with love. Uh, they didn't respond with hate. Unpredictable and unstoppable. <clears throat> and so despite all of the efforts of those who would have um, man against man, woman against woman, um, black against white, woman against man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Love trumps <clears throat> all of it. I know there's a bit of irony in using that word, but love rumbles over all of it. I agree. The one thing. Um... Yeah. 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 Um, so, Here's something that might, you know, to kind of, to kind of illustrate where, where, where I'm going with this. Um, okay. Here's a piece that I did um, called Repeat. Watching the final show, or how much every single day should be named, the final show, set on repeat, except when no one else remembers yesterday, much less the last year or decade. Same results with ourselves, same results with our people. No matter how we claim a vision, we end up going back to the final show, to the cliffhanger unanswered, to the new season that repeats from season one, such as life in 2018, reality TV on infinite repeat. Kind of feels like we're living in, in that. And I think at that particular point in time, when I wrote that, um, I almost feel as though well, we we got a president who came from a reality show or a couple of reality shows. Um, we we look to reality shows as if they somehow have something to say to us that is unique. When in reality, and as if the only they're real. That we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, as if they are real, or even define. Well, how do we how do we define real? We say that it's reality um, TV, and then you find out that they they're all scripted. Real Housewives of Atlanta is scripted, and some people, um, some people watching this actually, actually, actually think that. Um, and so, what emotion would I say? Um, I would say 
distress, maybe a bit of disgust, frustration. In the times that we are living in, we seem to take reality uh, TV more seriously than so-called reality. Um, Right. And so that, of course, you know, that could that could apply to to just about to just about anything, and so um, so when you talk about um, you know concrete solid, uh, uh, solid stuff, that speaks to, actually to a particular um, school of, of thinking that is very much a part um, of American culture and American expression, and that is if it's not solid, does it really exist? Um, in other words, you are you are for the, the concrete of, of you know concrete of, of the uh, of the earth of what we're actually seeing. If you're writing about war, um, there's not much you can you can do to kind of go around it. You just have to go through it. I think that's what you did with um, the poem that you're gonna you're gonna share. Um, mine, on the other hand, admittedly. With all of my efforts to be a bit more grounded, I think that's how I've always tended to to write, um, to um, work with the abstract. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, is there any particular um, is there any particular reason or motivation for sticking to the concrete and not delving into the abstract? Well, um, I, I don't, I don't, I, I won't say that I don't always delve in that I that I always stick to the concrete and I, I don't ever get abstract. But mainly, um, let me see how I can put this. Um, so I'm in this uh, ongoing conversation with this philosopher from Yale, right? Okay. And we talk about the world as it is and how to uh, make it what it ought to be. Or to put it differently, you know, I talk about the America, the aspirational America, you know, I've written about that. And the difference between the America, the idea, the one that we aspire to be and the one that we really are, right? Um, Okay. And and if if you think about what you were saying about love, right, and if love is when you sh- accept responsibility for the spiritual well-being of someone, right? Or if you okay. like, say, a Jesus, then you accept responsibility for the spiritual well-being, at least share in the responsibility of everyone, right? That's pure love. Um, and so, if you if you love if if, if you if you love humanity then you really have to fight for its future. Um, and yes. the weapon in that type of battle is is the sword of truth, as I put it, which is a, a phrase from the Bible. Yes. And so a lot of what I write really is trying to use words as weapons against the evil and injustice in the world by putting the truth into words in a way that people will uh, you hope listen to them, right? Right. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of it's kind of just what I do. Um, but if I can do it with a rhyme, 
or sometimes with some music, uh, then maybe, you know, somebody that would not have otherwise paid attention might actually listen. Or maybe students and, that, you know, you don't, aren't used to lectures might, the music might attract them to the words. That That's basically the idea for me. And there is... Does, does that make sense? You know, there, yeah. Oh, it makes, it makes plenty of sense. If somebody... Um, who grew up in the church, and I did. I grew up, um, you know, um, with, you know, and I made it a point as a kid, um, you know, to to, to read um, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and um, and then of course when you're when you're an English scholar, you you read it from another uh, another vantage point, um, but. When you look at the Book of Psalms, when you look at Song, you look at Song of Solomon, um, you see all of the above. In fact, I would say, for instance, both um, both the Book of Psalms and um, the Song of Solomon do carry both your elements and mine. Um, and so some people would like to say Song of Solomon um, is um, Solomon, um, you know, writing to one of his many wives or concubines. There are others who would say that it's actually a metaphor for something, um, for something else, um, a metaphor for the relationship between God and, and Israel. Um, and so when you talk about using song or using word um, as a weapon against um, evil or a weapon against demonic, um, well, there it is. Um, We do have um, psalms. We do have epics. We have epic poems. And so what I read or what you shared with me and what we're going to share with our audience um, we'll get to see, um, you know, a demo of that. In, in other words, where are the, where are the epic poems um, for the survivors of war? Where are the epic poems for the survivor, uh, for the survivors um, of the slave trade? Much of what mm-hmm. both you and I are doing is part of that work of recovering from the slave trade. We're still pulling ourselves out of that, are we not? Yes. In fact, I, I didn't send you one, but I have one uh, on that called oh. called Two for One. It was called Two for One. And, Did you uh, read it? It, it? I don't know. I don't have it here with me, but I maybe the next okay. time. But it, it, it okay. talks about how, how, yeah. did, how did princes and, you know, uh, scientists and great philosophers end up being so damaged that uh, we're running around killing each other. And, right. you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a 200 year process that have moved us from people that, you know, where the, the Sphinx, which is older than anybody knows, uh, you know, has the face of a black man as a testament to how advanced we were in ancient times to ending up today, you know, being um, victims of, of our own, uh, the slavery within us. Uh, okay. I should have sent you that one. That's a, that's a pretty good one called Two for One. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 
Well, I mean, you you can still send it, and I can post it up. I can definitely put it on my blog. And I, and and by the way, audience, just so you know, um, my blog is still up and running. And um, some of a couple of the pieces that um, that, uh, that we're going to read tonight um, are are going to come from um, stuff that I've you know you know that I've been sort of pulling out of my head and you know and and sharing. And so this mm. month is a substitute for what I usually do in May, and I usually write do you have 30 a book, days. Do you have a book of poetry? Did, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you have a book of poetry not out, me. or did I, I, I – it seems like I, I remember you telling me that somewhere along the way. I have a couple of poems that are actually part, um, you know, part of an anthology um, mm-hmm. that, somebody else, that somebody else published. Um, but much of what I'm doing right now is just sort of – Airing out, sharing, you know, you know, putting it into the to, to the universe, and perfecting it so that it can be, uh, so that uh, so that it can be, um, you know, that when it when it does uh, become a, a, a chapbook or or larger um, work that will it'll actually mm-hmm. have some 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 weight to it. Um, I've noticed it a lot of times with um, with poets do is that they'll they'll publish individual pieces and scatter it all around and so I've been sort of sort of kind of doing uh, doing that. Um I actually did something and I think I mentioned this in the in the last show, but I actually did something that I did something that I was advised to do and at the time I, I thought she was um me but um it actually turned out to be true. And her advice and this was uh, the former um, poet laureate for State of Connecticut, Marilyn Nelson. She used to be my advisor, and she and she said, "Put your poetry away, let it sit." Mm-hmm. And he sit for a couple of years. And of course, you know, the younger me was like, "Oh, you know, you you know, you're just hating." And it turns out she was right. She was 100% correct. That that's exactly what I needed to do which was let it sit and then come back to it. And so the last couple of years, and in particular, but within the last year, that's exactly what I did. And so I pulled not just poetry, but some of the, um, the shorter um, fiction, um, fiction pieces. And so this blog is a step towards Actually, putting together um, putting together a, a, a creative book. The irony of it being, when I first started out as an English major, this is what I wanted to do, which was write creatively. And I ended up becoming an academic. <laughs> and so now I'm coming back to it. It takes a bit of time after you've spent 10, 15 years, um, you know, writing. In, in an academic setting, you have to turn that off a, a bit and then turn on the, 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 um, the creative piece. At least I have to. Some people are able mm-hmm. to do creative writing and do academic writing, <coughs> and, and and it and it works out just fine. For me, um, I've had to kind of I've had to kind of you know you turn one one switch off or at least turn it down a little bit and turn up. Um, the creative, the creative piece, and so, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much 
it's pretty much how I have, uh, have tended tended to do that. Um, so there's another one. So go I, ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, go you ahead. go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say. All right. Um, you know. Okay, who's talking? You or me? You. Okay, I was just going to say that, um, you know, one of the more touching moments, I guess, in terms of things that I've written, you know, my, you know, my dad passed, uh, I guess it'll be about a year now, come August. And uh, when he passed, is it two years now? Maybe, maybe it is 2017, two. um, yeah. Okay, so... Um, but when I but I had written a poem in high school, actually the first thing I ever wrote that I won, you know, a little little school prize for, right? Okay. Uh, but when he died and we were, I was going through his wallet, it, he had a he had that poem folded in his wallet, which uh, oh. you know kind of really touched me, you know. And it wasn't, I mean, I had really kind of forgotten about it, um, but he had carried that thing around, man, since uh, you know since 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 high school. Since I was in high school, which was thirty, forty, but um, apparently, you know, it was something that was special to him, and that kind of shows you how you never know uh, how people are going to react yeah. to, the, you know, the words that that you put out there because words have power. And uh, although he wasn't the kind of guy to really talk to me about it, um, it the fact that he carried it around was really, you know, it, it was something to me. I just thought I'd share that with you. Yes. And that is a, that's a very important share. He's walking around with it. What was the occasion uh, in which you gave it to him? Um, you know, I think I think what happened was that when we when they when when, they, when we had this little contest, the poems that won, they actually published them in a little kind of booklet thing, mm-hmm. and apparently he cut it out of there. And, uh, and and put it in his wallet, you know, and who knew? Um, wow. But he, but he carried it around for, it was 30, let's see, 2030, 40, almost 50 years. Wow. That's something, yeah. Yes, anyway. it is. Yes, it is. And it kind of reminds me, um, I mean, I've, I mean, I've written a couple, I wrote a poem about my grandfather. Um, I wrote another one about my dad. Not all of my poetry um, is, you know, happy-go-lucky. And some of it deals with, uh, you know, um, sensitive uh, sensitive issues. And um, apparently I had a, I upset a, a couple of people in my family because of the one that I wrote about my grandfather. But, of course, it was not meant to kind of reflect on him negatively. It's just one of his nuances. My grandfather... Um, on my father's side, my father's father, um, Alfonso Turpin. Um, Alfonso Turpin came from Alabama, and he and his sisters migrated up to Cleveland, Ohio, and he was a quirky fellow. He was all of maybe about five, six, and um, some people said he was mean as a snake, but um, he was never mean to me. He was mean to anybody that was that he didn't know. But he was a black man who grew up in Alabama during a right. time in which it was quite common to, um, you know, to imprison or, or murder 
um, black men. And my grandfather was not, uh, you know, he didn't put up with bullshit. So um, he was very, he, he was very quiet, but he also carried a pistol. He also carried what are the things you put around your knuckles, the the little the little brass, brass knuckles. knuckles. He carried mm-hmm. Yes, honey, he carried around brass knuckles. Oh, he, the whole nine yards. And so you have this tiny elderly man. He's very tiny. Um, and if you look at him from afar, you think, oh, he's no no problem. And you get to him up close, and he's he lets you know, you know, what's going on. And, and something to the what did he say? Quote, quote. I got news for you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so there's just a, a sort of a, a top of the, to the hat to the ancestors, your father, my grandfather, Ashe. Mm-hmm. So I have something here. I'm talking about politics. People who, you mm-hmm. know, my mother asked me this question um, the other night, and she's like, well, what do you actually write about? You know, and I said, I write about everything. But I especially do write about politics. And this is called saying it. It's just I'm sorry, called it. what? Like, saying called? it. Saying it. Saying, okay. saying yeah. it. Yeah, okay. my, 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 my sort of nasal northeastern Ohio accent can be a little annoying sometimes, I know. Um, so what I did with this is that I decided to spell women W-I-M-E-N as opposed to W-O-N-E-N. So the title of this is saying it. As if good women are silent while bad women are loud. Since respectability politics demands female silence and emptiness. Such irony matched with urgency in these struggle times for all women to echo out our righteous right to love and pleasure. This is not being prioritized enough. This healing need to feel joy necessitates me saying it. So this is particular piece, um, and it just kind of points to, you know, some of the themes and some of the stuff that I, you know, um, that I write about um, professionally, um, what I teach professionally, but also what I believe. And so this is mm-hmm. definitely one of those poems that some people might refer to as feminist or womanist or black feminist or intersectionality, mm-hmm. uh, intersectionality feminist. And so um, for women, and in particular for black women, um, there are certain taboo words um, one of them being love and the other one being pleasure. Because in our society, in our culture, the only people who have that privilege are men, and in particular, white men. Mm. All the rest of them Love and pleasure? Certain... Love okay. and pleasure. In okay. a, you know, when we're talking about white supremacy, when we're talking about male supremacy, um, if you are in a position of the other if you are in a position where you are not privileged, i.e. black and brown people, i.e. women, i.e. gay and lesbian, transgender, bisexual, i.e. poor people, 
um, i.e. dark-skinned folks, i.e. light-skinned folks. I don't, you know, I, colorism can go both ways. I've seen it. Mm. But that basically Pretty much everybody is wealthy white guys. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy in the White House who has pretty much said, and he's been explicit, that the world belongs only to the wealthy, and in particular, wealthy white men, and everybody else is supposed to serve. It's a way of humanizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a way of humanizing us. And so black people, we, you know, we grow up with this. It's subtle, but sometimes not so subtle way of saying that to, to have joy in life, to have pleasure in life, to be able to um, to be able to smile without your smile somehow being um, something that other people use for their own political purposes. It's almost as if to say that, we, you know, if we, us brown people, us black people, experience love, joy, pleasure in raising our children, in children being able to play, in... Um, black husbands and wives being able to go to dinner without somebody deciding to uh, pull them over and and beat them up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In this culture, pleasure is a very, it's it's, it's very hard to be able to, to grasp onto joy, happiness, you know, the pursuit of happiness. We Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. You know, and it, yes, yes, that's, absolutely. That's why everybody's absolutely. on drugs and, uh, you know, stressed out and take yes. your pick. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So I think, um, I think that this is a great segue into your piece that, um, I'm going to play. It's called Wait a Minute. All right. And so um, so I'm going to play it, and then we'll talk about it. Okay? Okay. Hopefully, when I hit play, this actually, everybody can hear. So let me know if this does not come through. Best deal the world's ever seen. I've been by the people all on one team. Can we make it happen? That remains to be seen. We got to fix the things put off in the past. If we don't do it, this land will never last. A constitution where the men were not a man, where a woman wasn't counted, had to cleave to her man. Oh, wait a minute. This ain't what it seems. We ain't America. We're still just a dream. A land of many nations from the many to the one. Down on paper, yeah, but the work's got to get done. Children of Africa, we ain't doing them right. They've been around since the beginning of this fight for liberty, freedom, and the United States. Gave sweat and blood, what else does it take? This nation wouldn't be if it wasn't for them and their reward. Well, it's the death of their men. Oh, wait a minute, this ain't what it seems. We ain't America, we're still just a dream. A land of many nations, from the many to the one. It's on paper, baby, but the work's to be done. And women's bodies. That's not for you to say if what's in their bellies gets to be or stay. I heard about you Christians who in the name of the Lord would be a woman's conscience. You know, second guess God. Oh, wait a minute. This ain't what it seems. 
We ain't America. We're still just a dream, a land of many nations, from the many to the one on paper. But the work, the work's got to get done. They protected the money, the people's rights, that violence. Business is business. You're such a nice fella to offer me some pie, huh? I got the crumbs, so why did you lie? Black and blind, and the we that is the people. We fight for our freedom, but the money's in the steeple. Oh, wait a minute, this ain't what it seems. We ain't America, we're still just a dream, a land of many nations, from the many to the one. It's on paper, but we gotta get the work done. We're the richest, the baddest, we're the best, all for one. But is the one for the rest? We got a lot, but let's spread it around. Greed is gonna get us, it's gonna take us down. When the few have the most and the many have less, it's guaranteed to bring nothing but pain and unrest. Oh, wait a minute, this ain't what it seems. We ain't America, we're still just a dream. A land of many nations, from the many to the one. It's on paper show, but the work's gotta get done. Don't tell the many that there is no one. And the dream is just a dream, and we rule by the gun. Our work has just begun to make America the beautiful, the free, and the brave of the people, by the people, even the sons of the slaves. Oh, wait a minute. This ain't what it seems. We ain't America. We're still just a dream, a land of many nations from the many to the one. It's on paper show, but the work has still got to get done. All right. Man, that covered right. a lot of ground. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This that particular piece actually you know, covered a lot of ground. In fact, it covered a lot of what um, we 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 started talking about. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, just at a, at a as a techie, this is a techie question. Mm-hmm. Were you actually in a studio um, recording this? No, I did. That's all my laptop. I did all that on my laptop. You did that all on your laptop. Okay, all right. I did all on my laptop. Oh, oh, wow. So you, this, in in listening to that, I would not have known that. Of course, somebody else listening to this is going to be like, oh, you don't know anything about recording. Um, And maybe I don't. um, But it says something about um, the age that we're living in, uh, living in a digital age, and making it possible um, to Mm -hmm. be able to, to, to communicate communicate um and so have you had a chance to um share this anywhere else or is this an exclusive no you know i um i remember the first time i did it uh i i was i did a lecture at a um a class at the business school at southern and uh that was the first time i ever played it there i'm not sure what 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 motivated me to to do it or to bring it there, but that was the first time I played it. And then you may not remember, but I actually, um, when I first got here and I was doing those convocations and I, I came on stage one time and they were playing a piece, uh, that was actually yes. the piece they were playing. Wait a minute. And so, you know, I played it a couple of times before. Okay. Um, All right. But All that, right. In fact, those two times, this would be the third time. <laughs> well, I love the energy. Well, pop, in the played it publicly. Show. Yeah, yeah. So I love the energy. I love the energy on this. And in particular, your focus on black men and the plight of black men. Um, well, I, I've noticed yeah, that. Go ahead. Could you, could you share? Could you share a bit more with us about that? Well, Talk to us. Yeah, so, so there was a lot of things in there. If you noticed, we touched on the wealth gap. 
we touched yeah. on the abortion, uh, women's rights issues to, to, to manage their own bodies. Uh, we touched on the fact that, um, yeah, we touched on the fact that uh, black people really built the country, and now, you know, they want to act like we had nothing to do with it. Uh, we touched on the fact that uh, America is supposed to be one thing, but it, in, in everyday life is actually the exact opposite of the things that we say it is and that we celebrate. And so, yes, you know, yeah. it's like hold up a second. You know, y'all put that stuff down on paper, but. And, you know, there's still a whole lot of work to be done to make this idea that we call America a reality. So, I know but all of those right. things that just right. touched on in the song. I mean, think about it; those are all issues that we're still dealing with in, in at this very day. Uh, you know, which are you know, it's the, it's the conversation about what is America and what's it going to be. Uh, you know, Absolutely. and it's a live Absolutely. debate as we speak right now. Absolutely, and you and I both know that that is that is definitely something that is not just it's not just something that's an abstract, but it's right here. It's it's in our homes, it's in our workplace, it's in our schools, um, it's everywhere. And so those those particular areas, those particular topics, but believe it or not, those things that you're expressing are both concrete. Um, and it is expressing an, an emotion, um, a righteous anger, I would say, actually. Um, but an anger that's not destructive, it is actually an anger that is a call to action. Mm-hmm. Is it not a call to it action is. You for know, all of us? Uh... Well, yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the future depends on um, what we do individually and how that translates into the collective uh, decisions that we make, you know, because, you know, the the world that we live in is one that we create. Um, And most of the things that we blame on God are really of our own making. And so, you know, at some point, it's like 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 global warming, you know. Uh, like it or not, you know that is, that's decisions that we're making that that's ending up causing us to be in question as far as whether the Earth is going to be here, whether the Earth Earth is going to allow us to be a part of it in the future. Absolutely. And so these are serious I mean, things, you know, serious things. Yes, absolutely. And so um, the next piece that I think we should probably take a look at um, is uh, the Iraq, uh, I'm going to Iraq. So, my question to you is, do you want me to read it or do you want to read it? Um, I'll I'll, I'll let you decide. It's your show. (laughs) It's a little long, I think, don't you? Yeah. Uh Yes. And it is a a bit long. So, why don't you choose a particular um, why don't you choose True. Uh, I like start uh, start off with um, oil and the money. Start off with I'm going see. to Iraq. Yeah. Um, okay, you want me to read that part of it? Maybe yes. two or three stanzas from there. Yes. Uh, all right. So the whole thing is I'm going to Iraq, and I'll pick it up to kind of three or four stanzas in. I'm going okay. to. And I actually, the way I say it 
in the in the piece is I'm going to Iraq. Okay. Uh, so oil right. and the money and the money and the oil. I ain't getting either, but they ain't sending their girls. Halliburton, Smellaburton, Bush and Cheney. Sure, I'm their sap. That's a wrap, but mainly it's tearing me apart, killing women and children. I ain't fighting terror. I'm just stirring the cauldron of fear and graft and greed and hate. If we're fighting about freedom, then whose? It ain't straight. Rat-a-tat-tat, a kabam and kaboom up against the wall while I search this room looking for someone. Might be your son. I don't know what he did, but I know he better run because I'm coming to get him. He's a terrorist for sure. They got to put him away so they can open up their stove. Rat-a-tat-tat, a kaboom and kabam. Trying to keep my head up, but I'm crazy from the sand and my friend's going down. Half a head, lesser arm. He ain't going back to that Iowa farm. So many maimed, and for what? I ain't asking. There's death all around. And all them smiles, that's just masking. You want me to keep going, or is that oh, good? I think that's good. That's a good one to start, okay. uh, to start up with. You know, um, we live in a country where we... Um, we call people who uh, murder who happen to be um, who happen happen to be Muslim terrorists, but we call white men who kill um, we call them suspects. Maybe we'll, we'll call them we'll call them any call them anything but terrorists. We don't call KKK terrorists. We don't call. Um, you know, Adam Waffen uh, or whatever they want to call it. You know, we don't call them terrorists. Um, and we should. I think to, yeah, today or yesterday was the anniversary of, uh, what was his name, McVie, the guy that blew up that federal building and killed 168 people. You remember that? Yeah. Yes, I uh, do. I, I think do. there was an anniversary of that event, and I don't ever remember anybody calling him, calling him a terrorist either. Right. Right, right, and I mean he was executed for his uh, for his crimes, but um, unfortunately, um, those who um, who look at him with you know those who look look at his motivations look at him as a hero. Um, they look at him as a warrior of, of sorts, um, and don't look at the impact of his actions on the family. Um, on the community, um, and so I think that anybody who would do something like that—I don't care what your religion or your race is—but unfortunately, we live in a country where we're comfortable sending our boys and girls abroad um, to fight in wars. Um, we abandon them when they come back, um, and we don't really think about what that that can do because some of them actually end up in in, in white supremacist organizations. But I like this poem mm. also because it's speaking to the plight of veterans. As you know, I have a brother who's a veteran, um, and he's a disabled uh, veteran. And so um, he didn't serve in Iraq, but he did serve, and he got injured, and he's dealing with it. And so um, we have students who are vets. And so this, I think, is really about looking at um, what, are we, what are we motivated by. But, uh, did, mm. did, you, um, did you serve at all or no? You didn't get a chance to serve. Mm, no, no, I had a college. I didn't go to Vietnam, no. 
Right, I had right, a high right. lottery number. <clears throat> oh. I had a cousin that uh, I had a cousin that came home without a head. I had another one that um, ended up dying eventually from Agent Orange, and I had a third one that had shrapnel in his back and you know suffered all of his life until he died. And so, oh, uh, in fact, I was just this past weekend going with a friend of mine from New Orleans, and we he was in Vietnam and. You should have seen his reaction when we went and visited the uh, Vietnam Wall, you know, just bringing back the memories. Wow. You know? It was a horrible Wow, wow. Yeah. Right. And I actually did try to get into the military, but they said that my vision was too, you know, was too bad. So right. I, couldn't, I couldn't go in. But that is what it, what it is. You know, the military wants, they, 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 they love, they love seeing black folks uh, join up. You know, but they're not, uh, you know, we don't really do what is what is needed, and so again, this is another yet another example of what I mean by um, you know emotion. There is emotion behind this. There is a very much you know your use of concrete imagery, um, your use of rhyme, um, and you know the rhythm in, in, in this particular piece, um, but. Behind it all, you have um, you have the sorrow, you have the rage, um, and astonishment that we live, you know, uh, we, we live in a world in which we normalize, um, you know, violence um, in the name of whatever, whatever placard, whatever, um, whatever is being sold to us, whatever is being sold to the American people. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely, absolutely. So, Have you heard, um, right. you know Gil Scott Heron, right? You've heard of Gil yes, Scott Heron? Yes, I do. He has a piece <laughs> on, um, yeah, he has a piece, uh, right, he has a, yeah, exactly, he used to. But he has a piece, what's the name of the piece? But the the refrain is the military, the monetary. And it's all about the oh. military-industrial complex. I can't remember the yes. name of it offhand, but... but um, and that is a brilliant piece about how uh, war has become a profit uh, industry. And, you know, people are just dying, not because there's any legitimate reason for us to be fighting, but because people are making so much money off of people dying. Um, right. If you, ever, if you ever get a chance, uh, or if anybody's listening, you know, just pull up that piece by Gil Scott. I uh, can't remember the name of it. There's, there's, uh, but but wow. it, but but it's about it's about the military industrial complex, um, and okay. it is a okay. it is a it's a horrible evil thing, you know that. Uh, well, it's just a horrible evil thing. <laughs> Sorry, I did not well, mean to, to digress. Yeah. No, it's, it's, but it's part of it. It's 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 part of it. It's part of it. Okay, so um, believe it or not. We've been talking for almost an hour, so I have one more poem that. that I'm going to about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so I have one more poem, um, and then we'll um, then we'll we'll kind of wrap, uh, wrap it up a bit. And this is called "Story of Between." I don't know if you had a chance to see this. Um, and it, yeah, hearts gathering waves of past markers like photos. We walking parallel towards the here and now of between as we walk 
among soldiers of freedom, lifting our voices from silent tears to forever past, heartbeats from meeting each other. And this is how you knew me. I knew you long before meeting, where the between of here and now recognizes repetition in our history of motion of emotion, where the between sinks and links, manifesting that moment where we meet in the here and now. So, admittedly, this is abstract, yes. Um, but this is, this is how human beings connect, looking for that commonality, that common thread, that common string, that common tone. Um, and to me, I think that that is where it really is at when it comes to us as humans, as people, as as a collective, as a community. This is how we feel, looking for that between in the margin. That's pretty much where that's at. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, so, all right, so to my audience, um, I do want to encourage you to do a couple of things. For one, I'm going to encourage uh, you all to go to AfrofuturismScholar.com and um, check out my blog. Follow me if you want to, or you can always follow me on Twitter, Dr. Turpin, D-R-T-U-R-P-I-N. Um, also, please do support this channel. Um, I do have a Cash Me account, um, Dr. Cat, D-R-C-A-T. And so do support the brand, and the brand is growing. Um, and absolutely um, do follow us here on Blog Talk Radio. Absolutely. If you're following this, um, and if you're listening to us right now, then you are already on Blog Talk Radio, so just go ahead and click that subscribe. So um, I will be um, publishing on my blog some short, short stories, um, a few more of those um, really short, short stories along with some short, short and some longer um, poetry pieces. And, of course, um, this particular station, we will um, have more guests, and and that's actually including um, a guest that we were, we were supposed to we were supposed to have back in May, but because of technical issues, we weren't able to have it. Um, John Britton, who is um, a law professor at our law school, um, we also have. Um, some other folks who will be coming on the board, um, including um, local poets from the D.C. area and some of our students. And so this particular station um, is going to get a bit busier, and we may end up with a second station. That will be part of the grant work um, that um, I am um, working on with uh, LaTanya. Uh, Reese Rogers, and we're going to um, we're actually going to come here um, to help to launch that. And so, I want to first and foremost 
Um, thank our guest, um, President Ronald Mason, a.k.a. Ronald Mason, um, a.k.a. poet, a.k.a. activist, a.k.a. all-around cool dude. Thank you very much um, for taking time out of your busy week to share some of your work with us. And at some point in time, love to have you back. Thank you so much. And second of all, but not least, our audience, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Do you have any last words for us, uh, Ronald? Uh, no, thank you for the opportunity. Are you want me to read the last two stanzas of uh, Going to Iraq just to sign off, just to Please get it out? Do that. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, so... Been home a little while, now they're sending me back, third time crossing over, but my wife's a nervous wreck. Me, I scratch, I twitch, I sweat in the night. I ain't some kind of coward, but this just can't be right. A land that we invaded, ain't we picking the fight? Somebody's flexing muscles, but they're putting me in sights. They call them people terrorists, but that's what they're calling me. It's all about more money than a man could ever need, so I'm dying, and he's dying for the freedom of their greed. It ain't right, I know, but I'm still going to go because I just can't afford to pay the price of saying no. I'm going to Iraq. Thank you for the opportunity, Dr. Turpin. All right, and thank you for coming to join us. Have a wonderful evening. And to my audience, um, have a good night. And feel free to download some of my earlier episodes, including our episodes earlier episodes uh, featuring Ronald Mason. Good night. Good night. See you later.